Here we are, back at it again with another BSM Music Podcast. You know the score by now. We talk to friends of the label about their lives outside of music. Most of them are pretty interesting. On this month's episode, I chat to Def and Milk creator Alex Sears. Alex has amassed a large online following of people who just really can't get enough of his drawings and illustrations of sad robots. We chat about everything from the first drawing that he sketched at home to sustainable products that he's trying to bring through and his potential comic book. Insert funny joke about drawing me like one of your French girls. First thing I ever drew um, was <laughs> the first thing I ever drew um, was in my flat with, that I used to share with Harry and his uh, now wife and my girlfriend. Yeah. And um, we had a whiteboard in front of our front door, and I used to just draw crappy doodles on the, on the whiteboard, like a whiteboard marker. And there's this um, Jessie J song, and the lyric is, she's got a booty like a Cadillac. So uh, I don't know why it was in my head at the time, but I drew a, a woman on the whiteboard, really crudely drawn, with a car coming out of the, that part of her. The back end of her. Yes. <laughs> and that was, the, that was the first thing I put on Instagram. It was a drawing that I oh, done. Oh, really? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Why has that not made it onto the shirt? Uh... <laughs> Because it was so, so bad. It was like, like year five, year four. Oh, like almost like stick person. Basically, yeah. yeah but yeah. she had like massive lips as well. Like, I'd, <laughs> but I mean, that was that was kind of when I started just like enjoying it. You yeah, know? yeah. Like even if, even though it was crap, I was still like really enjoying kind of just doing. Yeah. Like, yeah. Did it come from like a desire to do something when you used to tour, or was it like always something that you were creatively? Um, no, it's it's actually quite recent for me. Like I didn't have any intention of ever starting to draw. Um, I wrote a comic in 2015, mm. and it was called Death of Milk. Uh, well, actually, originally it was called Milk, and it was about a milkman who used to be an assassin, and uh, <laughs> and he thought that his past was dead. Yeah. Um, and then all these things start happening, and. Um, he realizes that some people that he thought were dead aren't, and they're like coming back out of the woodwork. Yeah. And uh, he also has this personality disorder as well. Um, it was quite a cool story, and I, I pretty much wrote the entire thing. And uh, I didn't have anyone that wanted to draw it because they were like, "This is stupid. Like, I'm not going to help you with this. I haven't got time or whatever." Yeah, yeah. So I was like, "Right, I'm going to teach myself how to draw, um, just so I could do this comic." Yeah. And then I uh, started doing Inktober. Okay. When is that kind of like Sobertober, but rather than staying sober, you draw? Yeah, so it, you, you basically, uh, there's an Instagram page called Inktober, yeah. and there's a 30-day, or 31-day, I can't remember how many days in the month, uh, prompt list of yeah. different, just keywords, mm-hmm. and you just draw something based on that keyword mm-hmm. every day. It's just like to, it's just a good exercise to encourage people to start drawing, basically. Sure. Um, so I started doing that when we were recording our second album, yeah. just in the studio. I, was, I had this tiny little notebook and I was just doing it in October. Rather than Pretty much, rather than doing any actual <laughs> band-related work, I was just sat drawing like the car that was out the front of the studio in, in uh, Ramesh's place. Um, yeah, and that's literally how I started. And I was, and after like doing 30 days worth of drawing, I was just like, this is this is sick. It's like yeah. really you know relaxing, really therapeutic. Yeah. And at the time, I was just like really broke and I was in like a really dark place and this kind of thing this kind of drawing thing kind of took me out of the out, just took me away from all of that and yeah. it just kind of 
yeah, I don't know, it just kind of relaxed me, man. Like, yeah. it's just nice to draw something, even if it didn't have to be good, it didn't have to be, you know, whatever, just anything. So where did... So you had the name already, or you had, like, the name in mind and the comic in mind. Yeah. you started drawing, and then... So how did it become what it is today at, I think, the last time I checked, 154k followers on Instagram? Like, how did it become this t-shirt like it's more like illustrations than it is merchandise yeah it, I think at a, at a time it was more about the merch and like it was more kind of graphic design and then recently it's gone down a more comic booky kind of route yeah and that's only because that's where I wanted it to go in the first place mm. so the way it started out was um, I really got into um, an illustrator called Edward Gorey mm-hmm. who does a lot of kind of macabre children's illustrations and at the time I was really into like the kind of macabre like dark art kind of imagery and I saw his stuff and I was like wow that's so cool and expressive but it seemed like I mean it seemed at the time like relatively simple so I was like I'm gonna try and do some stuff like that because it seemed it seemed attainable at the time for like because I was just beginning you know I was just starting out turns out it's not as easy as it looks well apparently skulls are quite hard to draw they are yeah I mean you can draw them over and over and over but they I mean, the thing is, people know what a skull looks like, mm. and if there's a bit that's like slightly wrong, then yeah. they're going to pick up. It's on almost it, subconsciously that you're like, that's right. Yeah, I mean, everyone's got a skull, haven't they? So never seen it. <laughs> never seen one in real life, but yeah. Um, so that's kind of how I got into it, and that was the in that style. I drew a few houses, and that yeah. was like kind of spooky houses, and that was like the first thing I ever put on Instagram as mm. Death and Milk. Made a couple of prints. I think at the time, like people, I don't think it was like sympathy following, but yeah. I think people were just kind of like maybe fans of the band were like kind of just following out of interest. Yeah. Just I don't know, as, as like something else that I did on the side. Yeah. You know, few few follows here and there. And then I started drawing a couple of skulls. Mm. Um, and you nailed the skull. So. Well, I didn't even nail it. I was just drawing. I think what it was was I was so I was drawing the skulls, and then I was including a quote, which was usually a lyric, either one of mine or somebody else's, and it was usually kind of a sad lyric, you yeah. know, a bit kind of sombre. Very Tumblr. Yeah, very Tumblr. Yeah. With with a picture of a skull. Maybe he's got some hands. I did a lot of floating hands and skulls mm. at that time. Um, and people just absolutely loved it. Um, and so then for the, for the next 18 months after that, I just pretty much exclusively drew hands and skulls um, because that's exactly what people wanted to see. And my following just rocketed. It was crazy. And at the time, there's another guy, Matt Bailey, who's doing a lot of skulls and uh, also an illustrator called John, uh, who goes by the pseudonym God's Teeth. He was doing a lot of skulls at the time as well, so there was, it was like a, a thing that suddenly sprang up out of nowhere. Yeah. Like just skulls with sometimes with captions, sometimes without, but they were like sad, you know, sad boy skulls basically. <laughs> and uh, that's all I can describe it as. And and for a while it was really popular. I mean, it still is. It's just I kind of went away from that a little bit. Yeah. In, eventually. Um, now you draw sad robot girls. Now I draw sad robots, yeah. It's, if it's, as long as it's sad, I draw it, basically. Did you get to the point where you turned off your Instagram notifications? Yeah, um, yeah, I, I turned them off ages ago because... That's my, a sign of true success. It really is, yeah. My phone, my phone kept dying. I, I just I had, to, I had to turn it off and I was just getting... It was ridiculous, but the thing is, once you get to a certain point, it'll only show you X amount of notifications and it'll just stop. Oh, right, okay. As, As someone who doesn't have that many followers. <laughs> 
Well, I mean, yeah, I'll turn them off now so I don't get them anymore. But... So you started doing the skulls with the the lyrics and the quotes. Did you feel like, because you already had originally done this comic, that you always were going to go into that? No, I mean, no, I don't think so. That was... So when I started, that was obviously my intention, was to draw the comic, which I never did. And I don't think I ever will, to be honest, Um, sadly, just because it's... I think it's just, you know, time's passed and that kind of thing, but... um, Really? You feel? For that comic, yeah. Oh yeah, no, for that comic. Yeah. I feel like from looking at what you're doing on Instagram at the moment, it looks like it's very much gearing into that Yeah, world. definitely, right, yeah, that's, okay. that's, that's what... I thought you were saying that, was it done? Like, oh, no, 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 okay. no, 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 for, just for the comic, definitely. Sure. Um, but yeah, I'm fully heading towards doing a comic, 100%. That's awesome. um, oh, I've got what the question was. It was just a general chin- chinwag. <laughs> just a general chinwag. Um, oh, yeah. I was, I was saying, how did you... So from the start of The Skulls oh, yeah. to the, the progression onto what it is now, it seems like it's very much getting into that right. graphic design, novel, comic world. Yeah. And we were just talking about how we progressed through to that. Basically. Okay, right. So I, I kind of got to the point where I was... I wasn't sick of drawing the skulls. I just I felt like I'd exhausted the whole thing. Um, I was really struggling to find new concepts, um, ones that interested me. And I think it was just because I was really kind of looking to progress as an artist. And I felt like at the time I wasn't really an artist because all I, all I was doing, you know, I wasn't studying. I wasn't, you know, going on YouTube and learning new techniques, you know, art techniques, you know. And I'd, I'd got on a, an iPad and I wasn't really learning anything about it. I was just sticking to my format of taking a Google image of a skull, taking a reference picture of my hands, mashing them together and then drawing what I could see on, on my screen. Uh, and I just, I just wanted to be, you know, I wanted to progress, and yeah. I wanted to learn about art, and you know how I could, how I could draw, basically anything, you know, um, not, you know, not just skulls and hands. Yeah. So I started, you know, doing a bit of research, and that led me to, you know, these different YouTube videos about anatomy and light and dark and contrast and color, and I, just, I was just like, wow, there's, this, there's so much more to this than what I was doing, and you know, I could have just carried on doing that and I could have been happy you know just doing that and there's there's so many people that do that style amazingly and you know more power to them you know crack on but for me I just really kind of got the 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 urge to go in a different direction and and learn and become a better artist yeah okay Um, so take us through the process of like how you how how the idea comes from your mind and then gets to where it is so you draw on an iPad yeah like most people in the 21st century (laughs) yeah um yeah, I rely on an iPad. Is... Do you do like sketch drawings beforehand and then digitize it and then deal with it, or is it completely? So it's, it's it's all on the screen. Um, I usually do a bunch of really small scribbles, um, just to get like uh, just to get like gestures and stuff like that. Um, and then I, I just kind of start with the character normally, and then if, if I like the way it's going, then I'll start kind of filling in the background. But mm-hmm. I always do this thing where I get too excited, and I want to see, I want to try and see the finished drawing, so I'll start colouring it and shading it like really before early. You've even before we've even yeah. finished the line work and the <laughs> sketch, and my, my process is incredibly messy. I'm trying to streamline it, yeah. but I, I don't know the best way to do that yet yeah. because I can't just draw the whole sketch and then outline it and then start on the shading. I just kind of do bits and bobs depending on. Basically, if I draw a sketch, I want to know that it's going to look good at the end. So I'll try a few shadows and a few kind of 
different colours maybe just to see if I feel like it's going to look good at the end mm. and if it doesn't then usually I'll just scrap it but for the most part I share everything that I draw yeah like pretty much everything like, so there's not like any parts of scrapbooks for them there's part there's scra- there's there's like there's like scrap sketches and stuff and yeah. just like I practice like anatomy and hands and eyes sure. and ears and you know whatever yeah just like draw eyes over and over I really got into like calligraphy oh nice about a year ago yeah really into it and I did like I was trying to do this bought like a sketchbook and everything and I was trying to like basically get from A to Z and do like different styles of alphabets sick but my scrapbook is just like full of like there'll be like one perfect like N or something yeah like perfect P and Q and I'll just be like that's it and then there's 25 versions of that that are just never as good but you've got to draw the ones that aren't as good yeah you've got I guess you've got to be you've got to go through the crap to get through some good yeah but I mean in, in the world of like digitalizing um, art, how do you feel that that basically has changed the, how do you feel that digitising art has changed that, like once you do a bad drawing you can you can erase that line much quicker sure. than if you're on paper. Yeah, I think that, I think that drawing traditionally with, with uh, paper and you know pencil and pen yeah. requires a lot more discipline mm-hmm. because it's a lot easier to manipulate. I mean, you can't manipulate a drawing on paper. Like, once it's there, once you've inked it, it's done. Like, you can obviously scan it in and manipulate it that way, but with an iPad, you, you know, you draw a line, well, draw a pencil sketch, and then create a new layer, and then draw the ink over the top. The the ink over the top. So, you know, if you mess it up, you can just get rid of it, and the pencil's still intact. you've still got the sketch. You've still got the sketch. You know, you can undo a line that's wrong. You can add all kinds of crazy lighting effects, and, you know, you can add basically well it's basically limitless you know like and I and that was that was really for me what kind of opened up the, the world of art for yeah, me yeah. Was, was getting the iPad and realising that I could I could make these images that seemed more like stills from like a from like a anime or something yeah, yeah. you know okay. rather rather than like a pet like an ink sketch or like an ink piece of art mm. which I always aspired to be able to do you know I wanted to learn about you know shading with a, with with fine liners and like cross hatching and all that kind of stuff but like I just it I just never really enjoyed the way it looked mm. so when I got the iPad and then I, I learned about cell shading and that kind of stuff and, and gradients using like airbrushes and stuff like that. Um, that that really kind of did it for me. So that was the point that I was like digital for me, hundred percent. Hundred percent. Yeah. I'm really interested to know how the. I feel like in a lot of the later things that you've been putting on Instagram, like it seems to be like the drawing is something that you can nail all the time. Like the sad girl world with like a foot missing, which is levitating. <laughs> <laughs> but the thing that I find that I feel like you're working towards now is like how to manipulate um, lighting like how the light makes the drawing yeah different yeah that's yeah I'm 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 really glad you picked up on that actually because that is that is like my main goal now is to like my favourite thing to draw is contrast yeah and the difference between dark and light and you know light and shadow and I try to I think for me like I, I know I'm not the best at you know anatomy. I know I'm not the best at drawing faces and this and that. But so like I do practice those things. But for me, like my main goal is to create a, a mood within a drawing. So like it's usually like some kind of dramatic kind of mood, like lots of you know dark. Like sometimes when I upload a drawing, 
I look at it the next day and I can't even see it mm. in daylight because it's so dark. <laughs> um, but yeah, I'm really enjoying just kind of messing with contrast at the moment, like yeah. having like a really strong light source coming from somewhere, usually at the back, and then like a real nice kind of rim light around the edge, mm. loads of kind of glow around them. Well, especially it's because you're drawing like things that are essentially metallic. Yeah. So light will adapt differently to that than, say, if you were drawing a skull, which probably won't deal with light as well as a metallic surface. Well, I mean, I didn't even really mess with shadows back then um, when I was drawing the skulls. So one of my massive, one of my massive, one of my like major influences at the time was uh, Mike Mignola, who does the Hellboy comics. Okay. Um, and he is like famous for how he'll. You know, he won't have like different values in his in his shading. It'll just be it'll just be black, yeah, all color. Yeah. So everything just looks super dramatic. Like it's very like Sin City. Yeah, exactly. Black or red. Yeah, yeah. It's it's just like deep black for the for the shadow, and then a color, a real kind of block color for the for the yeah. light. Um, and that's kind of when I started using shading in my drawing when I was doing the skulls. I would just everything that was not in the light would just be jet black. Yeah. Um, so it kind of focuses you onto to the, the light. Piece. Yeah, 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 and it just creates a sense of depth. But like, it doesn't always look realistic. It's it's very graphic looking, obviously. Um, but that was that was the point that I kind of fell in love with contrast. And then when I got the iPad, I kind of learned about you know layers and kind of opacity and stuff like that, like dropping opacity. So you've got like different kind of values of shadows and yeah. stuff like that. Um, so really, what I've what I've kind of done is I've just transitioned over to more comic booky stuff, but like it's still very much the same in terms of the drama yeah. and the, the kind of light, you know, and the, and the heavy shadows and stuff like that. So how have you dealt with copycats? I don't get them anymore. <laughs> I don't get them anymore because everything I, I, I upload is, is like super fleshed out. Right. Um, and it's not to say that somebody couldn't copy it, but it's like, it's not like a 10 second job yeah. of just like tracing my drawing, which yeah. a lot of people seem to do. And they do a lot with people of a similar style. There's this, I got a friend on Instagram, his handle is Bebo Sloth. And uh, he gets ripped great, off. Great Instagram handle, Bebo Sloth. Right? <laughs> uh, he gets ripped off pretty much daily. Really? Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. People just, you know, taking his artwork, printing it on t shirts, or like not even crediting him or whatever. And, with the, with the kind of style that I was drawing before, it's so easy to rip yeah. off because you could just screenshot the image, put it into Illustrator, vectorize it, and then you've got a t-shirt design, and easy as that. And then if you call them out for it, they'll just say, well, you know, I didn't know it was yours. I found it on the internet somewhere. And they're often- There's no legality into it. It's, well, they're often in rare. another country anyway. So yeah. like, if I wanted to take them to court, I'd have to take them to court in the country that they're based or whatever. Yeah. So it's- and They've made a quick buck out of it and you- Yeah. yeah. Usually that's if that's you put them on blast, if you put them in your story and like tag them, yeah, and send, yeah. send the hoard after them then normally it's it gets resolved pretty quick yeah, people yeah. Pe people are like they're more kind of scared when you call them out than like brash about it and they're like yeah. oh i'm so sorry i didn't realize it was yours you know we paid a designer to do it oh, on, on, uh, on fiverr whatever that that app's called um and it's like yeah sure you did exactly yeah but yeah now people don't seem to rip me off because there's a whole you know there's a landscape and there's like different things going on and it's like it's not as easy to to rip off and yeah. as soon as i realized that, that that wouldn't be a thing anymore i was just like Thank God. Yeah. So it's completely slowed down then, I guess. Yeah, yeah. Nobody, nobody steals my 
work anymore. It's brilliant. <laughs> I don't see it coming up on Tumblr. I don't see it on. I mean, it's, what world we live in. Where I know. We're happy that you're the, not getting ripped pe- off. Yeah. <laughs> also happy that people aren't like spreading my work around. Yeah. Because the right. thing is, I never used to watermark anything. So. Oh, okay. And it was only because, for aesthetic reasons, I thought it ruined the design. Which I still, to this day, think it does, unless you just kind of tuck it in somewhere. Um, Could you not do, like, something... I'm going to try and sound technical here. Like, if you put your artwork into Photoshop and put a new layer behind your artwork and then just put it black, like, at Death and Milk... So yeah. it'd be black on black, but then if someone's stolen your artwork, at least you then could like change the change, like change something. So it oh, would I pop see what up, you mean. You know what I, mean? Like, <laughs> yeah. I can't think of a technical word for it. Like hold a blue, hold a blue light over it. And yeah, <laughs> it shows up. Way that you can take like like change, take the red out or something, and then your art, your handle would pop right up because it's hidden in a layer or something. Yeah, I'm sure you could do that. I mean, the way the way that I like to do it now is to do the um, the Japanese version of Death and Milk, and I just tuck it in. I don't always do it, but like I just put it in there somewhere. So if somebody's like, "This is my image," or you know, tries to steal it, I can say, "Well, that that translates to Death and Milk." And you had that check. That's not your name. Yes, I have. <laughs> so I um, I Google translated it, and it yeah. came up with something. Um, and uh, I have a friend, uh, a photographer based in Japan. Um, so I asked him if it was the correct translation, and he said that it roughly translated to death and cow juice. Uh, <laughs> So, yeah, kind of so he was like, it doesn't really work because nobody says it like that. So what I didn't realise was there's a there's a, a phonetic there's two phonetic alphabets in the Japanese language, um, and they use those to make up words that not that don't necessarily exist within the kanji yeah. alphabet. Okay. And so um, he figured it out for me and and sent it over. And I trusted him. So I mean, if it's wrong, then it's on basically every T-shirt it's on him, basically. I've printed since. So <laughs> who knows? Are you still? Like, is, is the merchandise still a huge part of what you do? Or have you scaled that back now as well? Um, I scaled it back a bit um, just to make more time for drawing. Um, so what I'm doing is instead of releasing regularly, I'm just um, releasing every now and again, but a lot of stuff at once. Because yeah. there was a time where you were doing, like, drops, like, every month, it would seem. I was doing a T-shirt a week at one point. Wow. Which was so intense because... Yeah. At the time, Connor uh, was helping me pack, and we were we were doing everything. Um, but this was weekly, so like in between packing and and you know processing all these orders, I had no time to draw. So I was like quickly just drawing something, chucking Bashing it online, it on putting it on a t-shirt, yeah, yeah. sending them off, and you know rinse and repeat. And like there was no way I could like progress. Yeah. Like you know, like I said, I wanted to desperately wanted to progress. Um, and so yeah, I scaled it back. So now I'm just doing like rather than doing a t-shirt a week, I'm I'm doing like every two months I'll do like five or six t-shirts in one go. Yeah, and it yeah. might take me a week to pack and send it all. Uh, that's part of it. It seems yeah. it seems like a model that seems to work in like a lot of with a lot of American clothing companies, like they'll do like like a seasonal drop. So like here are the 80 different garments that we're going to be doing over exactly. the next four months. Yeah. And you can see it like small in like this put like a big picture of them tiny. Like, zooming in to find them. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It seems like a more sustainable way to release merchandise. It's just, it gives you, it gives you more of a structure, I think. Yeah. Like, I know weekly is a structure, but like, it kind of, it's very, it's very interrupting when you have to, like, pack orders. Could you imagine if you were doing like a, a, a 52 drop 
52 a year drop. Yeah, Where you're doing imagine. one shirt every week for the year. That'd be so sick. If I could do that, <laughs> like, I would literally just have no time. I'm sure you've got enough images on your Instagram to I could get probably, 52. Yeah, I probably could. But then get I'd, the first one, exclusive. Yeah, I'll still have to pack them though, that's yeah, the thing. Yeah. You know? yeah, I'm sure you've got some people that can do that. I'll get a few people in, yeah. Get, get a few mates in. <laughs> get a few mates on Pay on them t-shirts. Yeah. <laughs> have a t-shirt or a cup of tea. So I can't pay my rent with, these, with this t-shirt, mate. <laughs> you know what I mean? How, um, how have you dealt with like sort of sustainability in terms of the garments that you're dropping? Is there like a uh, like a source that you use, or is there a, co- a clothing company that you use that's more sustainable, or is that something that's not on your mind at all very much? No, it's it's like the biggest thing on my mind. It, okay. It often it often like uh, dictates whether or not I'll release something depending on whether I can get uh, like a, an eco version of that thing. Sick. Tell me more um, about it. Which is, is, I mean, I'm, I'm vegan, I don't want to bring it up, but I'm, I'm vegan, you yeah. know, I've always been for the animals, for the planet, so yeah, this was something that I wanted to extend to my business as well. Awesome. Um, which wasn't always the case, like when I started out, you know, I, I wasn't as kind of conscious of it and I was just kind of making making do with what I could get hold of, like, you know, plastic bags to send stuff out yeah, and, yeah. you know, cheap t-shirts and stuff like that. And then, you know, as it, as it kind of progressed, I was like, I feel like I've got a, a bit of a, a duty here mm. to do the best I can. Yeah. There's a lot of people out there that don't. Um, yeah. We've got a community. Yeah. Like, it, it, it's Instagram followers, but it is a community. And they care followers. as well. Yeah, yeah a okay. lot of them care. Like, yeah. it's, it's, it's actually awesome, to be honest. Um, so, yeah, I... Basically, everything, like the packaging is completely plastic free, mm. um, the t-shirts are all fair trade, all fair wear, certified, mm. organic, awesome. cotton. Um, Does that relate to the price point? Like, are you, are you paying out a little bit more yes. and, and, and then boosting your prices a little bit more to make sure that that is sustainable for yourself? Yeah, in a way. Um, I've, I mean, I've, I've had to increase the prices anyway just because, you know, my cost of living has just gone up since I quit my day job and... This is your day job. This is my day job, yeah. This is my full-time gig. So, you know, I need to be able to pay my bills and stuff. But at the same time, I want to make sure I don't kill the planet at the same time. So, yeah, yeah, I mean, the prices have gone up a bit. But the T-shirts, you know, they cost twice as much to produce now than they did when I started. Mm. Um, And, you know, I'm I'm not just printing one-color T-shirts now. I'm doing, like, you know, five or six color prints, which are super expensive. Uh, The the printer I use is literally in the next town from me. Oh, really? Yeah, so like in terms of like you know my footprint, like that's obviously really yeah, great. Yeah. Um, the guy who prints my my you know my art prints, my Jigley prints, he's yeah. based in in town. Oh, so sweet. Everything that's awesome. I, yeah, so basically you everything. Cycle over and get them. Yeah, literally, I could. Yeah, I mean that's what I did. Sick. Um, so yeah, everything everything I produce. There's a couple of things that are still that are still on my list to that, you know that I could improve on. Like the tapestries I make are made of polyester, and I'm looking for a decent alternative to that. But like you know that material is just amazing for printing on. Obviously, it's like plastic, so it's terrible. But yeah, but it works for what it is. Yeah, so I've been I've been scaling back on releasing those as well. Just kind of yeah. you know when there's something that I think is you know really nice that will look good on the tapestry, I'll put it out. But um, hopefully, I've hopefully found a. Um, like a canvas alternative. Okay. Um, so, to, you know, like large scale canvases, not like wooden backed ones, like the live, laugh, yeah, one, yeah. live, laugh, <laughs> love ones you see in people's houses. But my mum loves those. <laughs> this house brings only love. Oh, and you're God. like, what is that? Literally. What does that even mean? Yeah. <laughs> 
ridiculous. So you've got a, an alternative to that that you're using? I'm exploring it, yeah. I'm try I haven't released a tapestry since I started exploring it because I, I, I just feel the guilt, you know? Yeah. Um, but the t-shirts are all good. Like, I'll keep producing them because I know that they're like as green as I can possibly yeah. make them. And, yeah. you know, packaging's like all good. Yeah. Um, are you... Is there anything in terms of sort of merchandise or like a garment that you are looking to release or something that you, that you want to release in the future? I know like it's almost like moving into like that 2005 to 2010 clothing company <laughs> where like every mate at your MySpace had one. But yeah, like you did pins, I feel like you've done hats, done hats. shirts, jumpers, uh, prints. Done prints. I've never done a jacket, which I would love to do. You've never done a windbreaker. Never done I a windbreaker. Like it's on my mind. I feel like you did a windbreaker. Again, it's 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 the argument of you know it's it's a polyester yeah. jacket, and then you're printing plastic onto it. Yeah, yeah. Okay. That's it. The thing is though, like I, I like I like to think that that because it's because it's like such a niche thing. Like I don't really print everything I do is limited, so I don't really print that much of, of anything. So yeah. I like to think that the people that are buying them will actually keep them. Mm. So if every now and again I do release something that's made of polyester, like it's not going straight to the tip. You know, yeah. someone's going to get a lot sure. of life out of it. Yeah. Hopefully they'll you know they'll keep it, they'll keep hold of it and give it to their mate who can wear. You know, yeah. Give it when to they charity. Get it, it's that. Yeah, yeah. Well, yeah. I mean, whatever. As long as you don't chuck it away, you know, yeah, yeah. Like, like burn it or whatever. Yeah. Um, so yeah, it's it's funny because I feel I feel like I take it like maybe a little too seriously at times. I'm like, oh, I can't do that because it's got plastic and I can't do that. But, like, I feel I like that's a, that's a responsible way to run your business, though. Like, thanks. I think so. I think there's there's definitely a happy medium in terms of things yeah. like windbreakers and mm. tapestries and stuff like that. Like sometimes I just got to say, look, like. You know, this is how it is. Hopefully, people will hold on to them. Hopefully, people will keep them. There's only X amount going out into the world anyway that, yeah. I'm, that I'm producing. So it's not like I'm mass producing 10,000 of them. No, there. exactly. Do you feel like there would be a way if you did something like a Patreon, where if people subscribed at a certain level, then they would receive like limited like garments that weren't on mass uh, like on, weren't on mass produced to the general public or like that weren't put on Instagram for instance so if someone gave say so like rewards money, for, yeah. for like Patreon tiers yeah I'm just wondering because I don't I've seen Patreon on like pretty much everything bar like illustrators get Patreon I feel like illustrators have yeah. Patreon because it yeah, like yeah. keeps them doing what they're doing but yeah. how they can convert that from <laughs> from spending their time illustrating and designing and drawing into like a, a more tangible like thank you for actually supporting the app it's crazy man it's it's like i mean i i don't use patreon but the way i see it is like it's a complete it's like another thing that demands your full attention yeah, so like yeah. if you're drawing all the time and you're selling products and you're you know doing giveaways and this and that on instagram mm then that's one thing which takes up a hell of a lot of time for like sure. which is full-time gigs so. yeah i mean this is it like i wish i didn't have to spend so much time on instagram because you know it, it is kind of crippling for your, for your mental health sometimes yeah. um but you know there's a lot of messages to, to go through and there's a lot of people yeah. you know that want to chat about art and stuff and yeah. I'm, I'm more than happy to do that you know at all times yeah. because 
the whole reason I can do this is because of people that follow me. So Absolutely. if they just want to ask me something about my process or whatever, then, you know, I don't really know shit, like, to be honest, <laughs> compared to a lot of people. But yeah, yeah. any wisdom that I do have... You're figuring I'm, out just as much as they are. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. I'm happy to give people any kind of little, you know, hints and, and tips and stuff that I have. But, like, when you consider that and then you consider Patreon as well, which is like, it's like Instagram again. Yeah. And you've got, to, you've got to kind of put all of your time into that as yeah. well. You've got people that might not know you on Instagram or might not have Instagram, but they know Patreon. Yeah. And they're giving you, like, funds rather than time. And obviously, like, people on Instagram will convert to giving you funds anyway. Yeah. But I understand that. So if you're giving, like, five minutes to someone and some mate on Instagram, and then someone on Patreon wants five minutes. It's a lot of time. And that's yeah, yeah, yeah. 154,000 people. Yeah, I mean, respect to anyone that, d- that does yeah. Instagram, Patreon. I've got a friend who does Instagram, Patreon, and he's got a YouTube channel I was about to say, as well yeah. that he draws on and, and oh offers advice God. and stuff. And, yeah. and he has a day job as well. And I don't have a day job, and I can barely even keep up with Instagram. Yeah, yeah. It's it's honestly crazy. Like some it's a people lot, are just so so. Uh, well, I think they're just good at time managing, which mm-hmm. I'm awful at, to be honest. But then again, like ra- wrapping this back around to the comic, like that's. Uh, like if you, I feel like a, a comic is is a great way of like uh, solidifying the last say X amount of time you've spent doing that. Like if you're quiet for six months and you're you know you're Instagramming your process and all this sort of stuff, and then you're like, I used to have a comic that's coming out that's 65 pages long. Yeah. That's what I've been doing for the last six months. Yeah. Like there's no T-shirts anymore. My comic's out in Warstones. This is it. This is this is the dream. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. And this is the thing that kind of that really drives me because I feel like Instagram is. I wouldn't say it was a sinking ship, but like I feel like for a lot of creatives, like they're seeing a lot of flaws in in Instagram with the the algorithm and with the lack of engagement and all that kind of thing. and I think a lot of creators are looking for somewhere new yeah. to, to, you know, to host their art or, okay. you know, whatever they do. Um, so, like, my kind of goal is to create a comic and have a book that, you know, a tangible book, a story that I've written that's, like, that's, you know, a bit meatier than just, just a single drawing on Instagram. Mm. You know, because I feel like, you know, I, I put a lot of time and I put a lot of imagination into the drawings that I do, but then I feel like your average... You know, Instagram user will just look at it for a few seconds, uh, double tap it, and then move on to the next thing. Yeah, yeah. And that's no disrespect to people that follow me. That's just how Instagram is. You know, yeah. it's very instant, instant gratification. Um, and you could probably look like if there was a way to look at your analytics and see how many of the people that actually follow you have gone through the process and purchased something. It'd probably be a lot less than the amount of people that follow. I can imagine so. Yeah. yeah. I mean, th- because of the way the algorithm works, there's probably a lot of people that have forgotten they even follow me because I'm not showing up on their, you know, on their yeah. feed. So yeah. that's just kind of one of the don't, one of the don't keep forgetting <laughs> one of the bad things about Instagram. But um, yeah, I think it'd be great to have a book because that kind of transcends what Instagram represents yeah. in a way. So like, Instagram for me is is me uploading an image, people enjoying it hopefully enough for me to then go, okay, I'll print a t-shirt or make a print or, yeah. you know, do whatever. But to have a book, like, 
and to have it published, mm. that could, that that'll be everywhere, you know, yeah, yeah, yeah. not just on Instagram. And my my sole audience is Instagram. Yeah. So if tomorrow Instagram disappeared, I would have nothing. nothing. Yeah. I would have just under two thousand Twitter followers. Um, so. Well, I mean, I even looked on your Facebook. It was like less than like eight hundred ninety. Well, I I don't even use my my business Facebook page. Yeah. I had to set it up to make my Instagram page oh, a business account. Because it's owned by Facebook. Exactly. Yeah. Sure. yeah. Um, so yeah, I don't even use that. Um, I'm trying to use Twitter. I'm trying to migrate people over to Twitter because I, f- I feel like Instagram's not going to be forever. And you know, I don't think it's going to die anytime soon. But I feel like yeah, people are just going to get fed up with it. I think. Um, I feel like the true um, the true indicator of the social media is if your parents get on it. Yeah. So if your parents come on, t- on Twitter and Instagram, then sink and shit. Well, my mum followed me the other day, so maybe that's that's a, a bad omen. Go on TikTok. <laughs> get a TikTok account. I'll just sing about my drawings instead. Um, no, so yeah, I feel like a comic would be a way to be an artist outside of Instagram, you know, because hopefully it will get reviewed by people, hopefully people will pick it up, like shops will, you know, buy physical copies of it and sell them, and I can kind of be be somebody outside of Instagram. And, you know, I don't want to leave Instagram, I just want to... I just want to, be, you know, I want to, I want to kind of cover as many bases as possible because, mm. like I said, you know, it's great being an artist on Instagram, you know, especially one that has a decent following because the validation is is incredible, you know, and it really, it really kind of drives you to to, to continue. But like, yeah, I mean, if, if it ends, if Instagram ends, then you've got to move on to another place. Yeah, but definitely the author. It's pretty good. Well, yeah, I mean, it's it's a nice thought. It's yeah. a nice thought. I wonder if I would put Death and Milk or if I'd put my my real name. That's something we can end on. Definitely. <laughs> nice. Thanks, Alex, for shedding the light on the ins and outs of Death and Milk. After the show is hosted by me, Connor Laws, and edited by my good friend and EU enthusiast Oscar No Taris on the Island of Ireland, Lydiard. Maybe there's no jazz in Europe anymore, I don't know.